My pizza's just arrived. Hello and welcome to another episode of Three and In. I'm your host, back in the hot hot seat. Back in the host seat. I wanted to say host seat. Hello and welcome to another episode of Three and In. I'm back as your host, uh, Sam Aston, and with me tonight is Derek Byrne. Hello. Ross Morrison. Hola. Owen Curry. Benvindo. And what? What language was that? I don't know. I think it's Portuguese. <laughs> and today's guest, joining us all the way from... Uh, where do you live, Greg? <laughs> <laughs> Still in Liverpool. Formby. Liverpool, yeah. Formby, from Formby, originally. Was, it? originally. Uh, Greg Power. Bonjour. Welcome to the show, Greg. Great Thank to you. have you on. Thank you. Thanks uh, for having me. We usually kick things off with a uh, cheeky challenge. Yeah. And tonight has a, uh, this episode has a geographical flavour. So this is for everyone, for the whole team. I want you to get from Easter Island in the Pacific Ocean, also known as Rapa Nui, to the Seychelles in the Indian Ocean via Titus Bramble. <laughs> well, you, you said the Easter Island, didn't you? I did say Easter Island, Greg. Titus has always been shaped a bit like an Easter egg. So, <laughs> we're halfway there, I think. <laughs> There's a bit of a leap, but yeah. <laughs> well, we'll start again. Take your time, take your time. Fingers on the buzzers. Or Owen, have you got something? I had something then. Easter Island, Easter Island head, big head, Steve Bruce. <laughs> he was his manager. Steve Bruce was his manager at Wigan. Steve Bruce, manager at Wigan. Cyclist Steve Bramble. Bruce, player. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> He's done it. He's done it. Now we've got to go to the Seychelles. That was tricky. My favourite flag. What, has it got like a cutout up? No, it's 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 like a multiple coloured rays coming up from the corner. Well, speaking of multiple colours, do you remember that Newcastle away kit that was compared to an ice cream? Um, the the yellow one with yellow stripes, but it had different shades of yellow on each stripe. Yeah, that was a beauty. Oh you know, yeah. I, I think you could find oh that on many God. a beach in the Seychelles, but again, I think that's too big a jump. Um, Greg, guess who who did Titus Bramble used to play for? Apart from Newcastle. Newcastle. Titus Bramble going down into the sea. The Seychelles are disappearing in the sea. <laughs> I think that's the Maldives. Titus Bramble, Newcastle, Sandcastle, Seashells, Seychelles. <laughs> <laughs> she sells Seychelles. She sells seashells on the Seychelles. It was a stretch. It was a stretch. I think that's a good one, that bell. I'm not having that. No. It's so awful. <laughs> so awful. What about... Um... That was a really tough one, Sam. It's not over yet, Derek. I'm not happy with that, Hudson. <laughs> bramble, fruits, exotic fruits, exotic <laughs> getaways, the Seychelles. I miss that saga holidays. I'm sure they've got a resort there. We'll have to we'll have to call that out. call it yeah call it quits there. I think. But well done, Owen. I think you've done you've done well there. 
He was voted uh, the worst player in the league several times. I didn't know that was an official vote. I think it was on a blog. I think it was on a blog. I think him, him and Boom Song have recently been voted the worst centre back partnership in the Prem. Oh, shocking! No, but I did look on his Wikipedia just before, and he's a bit of a, a bad man actually. So I hope we don't get any flack for going with him. Uh, anyway, let's get him on the podcast. Let's move on. <laughs> Greg. Hello. Hello. Um, you have to pick three footballers from the world of football, uh, association football, that is, who mean something to you. It's the, equatable to a desert island discs of football. If you're stuck on an island, which footballers would you like and why? It can be the Seychelles if you want it to be that. <laughs> yeah, on the Seychelles. Okay. Number one is Titus Bramble. <laughs> no, be serious. Come on. What a yeah. coincidence. <laughs> well, number one person who I would say certainly ignited my love of football, and that would be my granddad, who had a decent professional career back in the 50s. So he started at Liverpool. So back in them days, of course, there's no such thing as academies and all this business. So he was playing adult football at the age of 15 over on the Wirral, and he got spotted and asked to go down. And basically got signed up there and then. Then progressed through the youth teams. They did have youth teams, obviously not academy structures, but youth teams anyway. But he was interrupted by national service. He had to go over to Germany at the age of 18 and do two years in the army. So that was a bit, bit, of, a, bit of a kick in the teeth. Just signed for Liverpool. That, that would have been a huge time in his life as well, as, as in his development as, a, as an athlete, as a sports person. Oh, definitely, yeah. He, he managed to keep fit over there. He was a PT instructor and also signed for a German team called Munster 08. He played for them, and it, but they didn't like English lads playing for them, so he used to have to get changed in the back of a, you know, in the back of a car in the car park and kind of sneak in the back door. Um, oh my god! I wonder like, if they ever won. If they ever won eight nil. Well, if you can find that out for me, I'd be amazed. There's a similar one. It's Hanover, Hanover '96. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hanover '6 and '90. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder if they've ever won 96-0. And you've got 1860 <laughs> Munich as well. So, what was your granddad's name then, Greg? That's a good point, Owen. I was just about to say, I don't think I've said his name. Jimmy Rolf. Jimmy Rolf, so this is on your mum's side or your dad's side? Correct, on my mum's side, yeah. yeah. So, and what position did he play, Greg? He was a bit of a utility man, but back in them days, as you know, the... Most teams played like a W formation, two, three, five. And five forwards, imagine that. Lucky to get one these days. So he'd often pop up as an outside right or an outside left, which is basically, you know, basically a winger. Um, but he could play on both sides, really. But he was only, only five foot seven. Um, although he did have a great big mop of hair, which helped him get, a, get above the defenders. Like. <laughs> he was like a Swiss Army knife of a player. That's right, yeah, that's right. What about your personal relationship to him because obviously you were played a decent level of football in your life haven't you and did he get you you know playing football what what was or, oh, yeah. or was he was he pushing you or did he just let you enjoy the game yeah good question um he i wouldn't say he pushed me but he was very you know very enthusiastic but i, I didn't need much pushing i was you know i'd be playing i'd be playing footy in the garden on my own a lot of the time and 
and then he'd, he'd turn up and just start playing with me. So he'd turn up to our house two or three times a week and he'd be there and he'd get me to practice with my left foot, practice with my right foot, you know, trapping a ball, all this stuff. So he, yeah, you're right, he, he ignited my passion for the game and certainly got me playing, you know, got me, got me well into it. And did he still have a touch, you know, when he was coming round to play? Oh yeah, yeah. So he's he just he turned eighty nine the other day. Um, so he's still with us. He turned eighty nine the other day. But back when I was, you know, a kid playing in the garden, I would he would have been about sixty. And he'd still he'd still come round and he'd be running around and tackling and showing me how to, you know, well, I don't know, show me everything really. Show me how to trap a ball, how to head the ball, throwing the ball up, get me to chest it, all this stuff. It didn't work. The basics, but... no. <laughs> <laughs> how to bollock your teammates in German. <laughs> so you have any stories about Billy Little? Uh, I believe he played in that era, didn't he? He did, yeah. It sounds quite high and mighty, this. But he's possibly the only person to have one of Billy Little's shirts still in existence. It's hanging in his wardrobe. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but wow. yeah, because when he left the club, my granddad, he, they, they used to train in, in the like hand-me-downs of, of what the first team had worn. Um, and he said to, the, to one of the trainers, one of the coaches, can I keep little shirt? He said, yeah, go on. I've had it on, it's great. It's, it's about, um, you can imagine what it's like. It's so heavy compared to uh, the shirts these days. You know, it really thick. It's like, it's like a Christmas jumper. <laughs> but but he, when he returned from, um, from national service, he never played for Liverpool's first team, but he was literally, like literally the 12th man. And he never had um, subs back in those days. However, the week before the seasons used to start, they used to have a friendly match at Anfield. It was called the Reds versus the Whites. And they let the crowd in. There'd be 10, 15,000 people there. And the Reds would be the first team. The Whites would be the reserves. And they played play each other the week before the season started. And he was in the first team the week before. It's like the 52, 53 season or something. Um, and he played for the first team in that game. And they lost 3-2 to the reserves. But he scored in the, in the last minute. But he was... So he would have played in the first game of the season, pending on someone else not getting released from national service. And this fellow, Brian Jackson, did get released from national service just in time. So my granddad lost his chance there. And um, that was it. He never got another one. Oh, no. Did he play for uh, lower down the divisions at all? He did, yeah. He left and went to Northwest teams, Chester, Crew, um, Barrow were a football league team then. He played for them for a few years. A lot of these players, once they've left a, a big club, even now, they go and end up playing in non-league and things. And that's what he did. They ended up playing for a, a whole host of teams, including New Brighton. And um, he must have been about 31, 32 at this point. New Brighton as a will team. And um, back in those days, say for example, even a t t first division club, they didn't have a game for three days. They go and find one. They wouldn't be complaining about too many matches. Bill Shankly brought Liverpool's first team to play New Brighton in a friendly um, in the middle of October, to celebrate New Brighton's um, floodlights being switched on for the first time. So my granddad played um, for New Brighton against Shankly's Liverpool. And the, you, you, this, this front five is amazing for, for New Brighton. They managed to get some guest players. So playing for in the, in the front five is my granddad, but Billy Little, Nat Lofthouse and Tom Finney. As if. Whoa. I know. How, how they managed to pull them out of the hat, I have no idea. The Liverpool beat them 5-2, five, five um, but the scorers for New Brighton was Rolf and Lofthouse. So that's, that's not on. bad. Um, I know. 
So I, Brilliant, Greggy. I could listen to, the, to his stories all day and I've, I've heard them a hundred times. So I'm just happy that I'm able to tell them to, to others, really. Didn't he play with Bob Paisley as well? Oh, he did, yeah. He played with Bob Paisley. Paisley was in Liverpool's reserves for a while, along with uh, Ronnie Moran. The, the headline, whatever it's called, the headline picture at the top is Rolf next, next to um, Paisley and Liddell's not far away and Moran's there. And also... Dean Saunders' dad as well, just for good measure. So he played with some names, yeah. Obviously, they weren't names at the time, but they turned out to be some of them. I wonder, he would be the same age as my granddad. Oh, yeah. And as as I mentioned in the last one, I, I said it a bit wrong because um, my granddad played for the Villa uh, after the war with his brother, but they mainly played for the amateurs, the, the reserves, I think. Um, and if your granddad, if your granddad was playing for Liverpool reserves, I wonder if they ever played against each other. That's a that's a good question. I'll, I'll look into that. I've, my in my granddad's attic, he's, uh, in my attic, sorry, I've got all the old programmes. Oh, it'd be great if you could have a look. And it would have the teams on. It's funny because um, yeah. I, I might be able to find out as well. Some some Norwegian bloke, some Norwegian stat- statistician, got in touch with me a while ago to see if he could come round and see my granddad. He's a proper like stato, like he puts mots into shame. Um, and um, you wouldn't believe what he had on his laptop it was like championship manager graphics of Liverpool reserve games from the 50s and, and, and every game in between you know not just from the 50s every single match Liverpool A, B, A team, B team youth team reserves had ever played the internet has just allowed us to store all this stuff so I might be able to find that out Sam you might be able to you know you could go to the National Football Museum in Manchester they might, they've got a, like a database thing you can search on there it's a good place, that, isn't it? It's a good shout. Excellent, Greg. Thank you for sharing that. I love it when it's got a family connection like that. I appreciate you letting me share it. Like my uh, great uncle, Sava Milosevic. <laughs> Do you think, Greg, that you maybe inherited some of your granddad's characteristics as a player? His style of play, maybe? I like that question. I like that question. Obviously, I never got a chance to see him play, unfortunately. However, only in the garden. But I, I reckon I probably did. You know, my natural position was probably on the wing, like he was. Um, so, yeah, I'd say that that's a good shout. I probably did. However, as he always used to say to me, I wasn't assertive enough. I, I wasn't aggressive enough. I was too nice on the pitch. He came to watch you play then a few times. Oh, yeah. He, he came to watch every week, yeah. He used to come and watch every week. And he, he, ended, he ended up scouting for crew as well. Um, I said, come on, take me down. And... Um, no, no, no chance. He said, "You're not, you're not there yet. You're not, you're not, not quite up to the. You can't, can't take it down if you're not better than what we've got already." It's like, God, it's harsh, isn't it? <laughs> oh, tough love. Must be something having someone who's played for Liverpool coming to your matches. I mean, you can't really turn around and say, well, "You're wrong," because um, he'll just turn around and say, "Well, what level did you play at?" Well, they often, they often did, yeah. No authority on this pitch. No authority. You've got no authority. I think the other thing to consider as well, Greg, is that when your granddad was playing, there was no subs either, was there? No, there wasn't. There was no subs. There was no League Cup. There was no, um, you know, Europa League dead rubbers and all this stuff. Equated to someone now, I reckon it was probably, you know, someone like Ryan Kent who left Liverpool, haven't played. He managed to play a few games as a sub and, you know, in Europe and stuff, and is now doing well at Rangers. But, you know, you know, all it takes is one or two games. You might. You might get a lucky goal, you might have a, a great 20 minutes and then you're in the team for the next week and then 
you do something else and you, the, the team win and you're in for the next week and it just rolls on from there. Football's a game of momentum and confidence, you know. Look at Jamie Vardy and people like that, you know. Who would have been watching him playing for Stockbridge Village, whatever they were called, and thought he's going to be playing for England in six years? Do you know what I mean? It's One thing leads to another. I'm not saying he would have got to that level at all, but one game could have led to 20, could have led to 50. He just don't know. Interesting point, that, about momentum. It is about that, isn't it? You've got to get the chances. You see it with a player like Donny van der Beek, not getting game time, can't put a run together. Sure, he feels like he's got a lot to prove, but you've got to have the chances. Yeah. We look at Rashford. Rashford was nowhere near the team, was he? And then all of a sudden, two or three players ahead of him get injured. He comes in for the Europa League, scores a couple of goals. And then he's in for the next one. He scores against Arsenal, wasn't it? And then he's he's got four goals in two games or something. Is he, it's a, it's the type of... Because um, it's kind of luck as well, do you think? If he, if, would your granddad ever be like, oh, if that guy had never just been recalled, you know? what could have been you know like like you said because if, if you've got that momentum you could be telling a very different story yeah that's right he he probably does re not regret it because it wasn't his decision or actions but yeah he probably does feel a bit down about that but it was just it was just really unfortunate in that respect the way it just worked out and if the season the season was the start of the week earlier the fella might not have got leave from the army and he might have might have played that game and you never know but it's just, I just find it interesting just comparing eras, if nothing else, you know, 20,000 people into watch a reserve game. You know, when when the home team, are, when the first team are playing at home, reserve team will play the same fixture away, you know, and, and then you'll get 10,000 people turning up to watch it. You do with that now, really, some of these players. And what does he think about VAR? Uh, if he's anything like me, he, he won't like it. He can tell you more about a game that was 50 years ago than he could about last week's game. But, um... I can imagine he doesn't like it. I mean, I certainly don't. But Are you still playing, Greg? Only five aside and things like that. Yeah, I gave up about two two or three years ago, yeah. Oh, okay. Turn the boots up. Yeah, I, I enjoy the five sides though. It's 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 nice. You need to don the lycra, mate. I've got a bike in the shed, but... Um... <laughs> <laughs> Go on then, Greg, give us your second one. Okay, the second one should be a name a bit more familiar to you. And it breaks my heart in many ways to see him getting lambasted so much in, um, in the modern day. And that's Steve McManaman. Let's lambast him. <laughs> well, you can lambast him. I'll be, I'll be defending him to the hilt. But, um, see, when I, when I was growing up, I, I never had a um, sky or anything like that. So I sound like I, sound like I was living in my granddad's era. But, um, <laughs> but no, the FA Cup final, that was it for me. No, um, <laughs> that, that's not far. From the, it's not far from the truth. To be fair, I mean, I'd, I'd, it was be match of the day, footy focus, Transworld Sport, um, and you know the Coca Cola Cup final, FA Cup final, stuff like that. Match of the day, football Italia. Well, yeah, of course, of course. Um, so basically, it was only the big games and the highlights that I got to watch until I was, you know, my mid teens, unless I was at the match. However, one of the first. One of the first full games I watched probably was the Coca-Cola Cup Final, 95. Don't know if, if you remember it. Um, certainly the first trophy I saw Liverpool win. They beat Bolton 2-1. And if you haven't, if you don't remember the goals, just look them up on YouTube. Two proper amazing goals. Picking the ball up 40 yards out. Beating three or four men. Doing the whole lot himself. A bit like uh, Georgia Kinklatsi. He could turn a nothing situation very much into a, into a dangerous situation. And that... You asked me about my granddad before, whether I 
had shared kind of attributes from his game. But I was obviously nowhere near Matt Manaman's level. Couldn't even lace his boots, obviously. But um, I tried to, I think I played like like him or played like I wanted to be him, you know, um, dribbling. I, I was a bit of a ball hogger in many ways. Head down, just just head down, just um, lone, plowing a lone furrow. Um, he was he was better than that. He was cleverer than that. But his dribbling was just was unreal. I mean, first name I ever got on the on a football shirt, Stephen Allen. Oh, really? That was something I was about to say, Ross, because I that was the one I tried to get, but it was too big. So. Um... <laughs> but I think yeah, they charged you by the ladder back then. Uh, Pat, I know you mentioned that game, the League Cup final, but was there like a breakout game in the league or? A goal in the league where you've you felt like he announced himself because he's household name and not because he's on telly now, but everybody knows McManaman was a class winger. He was. Um, well, but three years before that, he he was I think he was man of the match in the FA Cup final as well. So they they, they won that in '92. McManaman was only would have been 20, 21 maybe. He got man of the match in that game. Um, so he he certainly helped Liverpool to a couple of trophies. Maybe not the biggest ones, but he, you know he did his bit. But uh, um, he was there from longer than you think. He, you know, he, his pops coming through when when Dark Beach was still there. You know, that's how that's how far back he goes. Like that 1991. Um, he may not have played many games, if if any at all. But um, he certainly announced himself properly during the Sooness. Um, and then Evans. One thing that I loved about him was the relationship that he had with Fowler, both on and off the pitch. Like you could really tell that they were. They were proper good mates, you know, and it really, it really did help them on the pitch from time to time. Oh yeah, yeah, they had, they had an amazing link up, didn't they? Don't know if you remember the game against Aston Villa when they were three 0 up after ten minutes, and I think Fowler got two. Matt Manaman had one. Sorry, Sam, to bring that one up. <laughs> no, I can't, I can't recall it to be honest. And then they went on, they, they, they went on to Man City as well. They, they played together there, didn't they? Oh, Ross, I remember that. Um, I was I was always a big fan of McManaman and Fowler as well. Uh, even came to an, uh, an extent where uh, I wanted to buy a Manchester City top with Fowler and McManaman at the back. Oh, both of them. You must have come into some money there, Dale. You by the <laughs> You must have been about, about twenty stones to get those two names on your back at once. <laughs> and uh, also. Uh, the proof is in the pudding with the move to Madrid. Of course, yeah, that that did break my heart. Um, and he, he really excelled at Madrid. They they really really took to him. The fans took to they him. They did, yeah, they did. Maybe not necessarily straight away. It, it was before the Galactico, so they weren't comparing him to Ronaldo and Beckham or anything like that. But um, obviously they had high standards. It didn't take him long to fit in. We won two Champions Leagues and scored one of them, one of the finals. But he was, he was probably a bit more of a cerebral player to borrow a phrase from Del um, when he went to Madrid he was probably less um, I wouldn't say individualistic but he, he probably stopped dribbling us so much and probably played a bit more centrally um, do, you, do you think he lost a bit of his speed at Madrid? yeah quite possibly yeah quite possibly you say probably suited uh, suited La Liga at that time anyway to be a bit more of a playmaker yeah less explosive I seen him in an interview on and someone had said, answer asking the question, uh, do you ever regret leaving England or leaving Liverpool? And he was sat in, on this sort of porch in, in his, must have been his backyard in, in Madrid, and he just sort of looked around at it and went, no. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, he made the Real Madrid team of the decade in the noughties too. There you go. That, that, says really? all. that says it all. But he, he changed the, the culture there, well, to some, some extent as well. Like when he got there, when he got to Madrid, he, he com- I read his book and he compared them to like, not an amateur operation, obviously, but there were things that he introduced from Liverpool, even such basic things like um, they didn't have a players' lounge or they didn't have a, an area for the wives to go and uh, socialise or anything like that so, uh, while the match was on and, and get to know each other. So he, he organised all that. But and he was a bit of a trailblazer in that respect in a time when, you know, minus Waddle, Gaza, not many English players were, had played abroad. No, and he was one of the first to go on the Bosman as well. You know, one of the biggest names to go on the Bosman. And that was that was a killer for Liverpool, you know. I actually read or heard the other day he was going into Euro 96. He was ranked the most valuable player at the start of that tournament, of the, of the whole tournament. So more than Shearer, more than, you know, obviously Zidane maybe wasn't at his peak then, but... McManaman was a kind of proto-Zidane. Well, yeah. Did Ian Rush? Did Ian Rush go abroad? He did. He went to Juventus. When he, when he went there for a season. Who was the Liverpool player? Was it McAteer? Who, um... He didn't go anywhere. No, but he was... They played abroad. I know what you're going to say. Uh, somewhere. What was it? What's the story, Greg? You know what it's <laughs> the, the one where he says, like, flip playing in a foreign country. Yeah. <laughs> that was Ian Rush who said that. Uh, that was Rush. Oh, 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 was it Rush? I thought it was McAteer. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but McAteer so, was the one who, they always say, went into a pizza hut and they, they said, um, you know, I'll have, che- I'll have a margarita or whatever. And um, they said, do you want to cut into eight pieces or four? And he said, oh, just four. I'm not that hungry. Because <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> going back to what I was saying before about, um, you know, only being able to watch the big games and, you know, I must have been like what twelve at that point, and it was the UEFA Cup, early early rounds on the BBC, and, and they were playing Celtic. And do, do you remember the goal? Um, yeah. He basically Fantastic. passed the ball to himself, just outside his own box, got onto the end of his own pass, took on about three, well, two more players over about forty yards, and bent it in the bottom corner in the last minute. And he just like, I don't know, just proper standout moment for me, anyway. And that was on BBC as well, Greg. It was. I remember that distinctly, yeah. You, you say about him uh, breaking your heart going to, to Madrid that way. I remember that really clearly as well. But when he said sort of through my dad, like my dad was like, oh, the, the biggest McManaman fan. He used to say, oh, look at the way he walks the chalk and all, chalking his boots and everything. Like really just loved, loved watching him play like we all did. Yeah. But when he went to Madrid on the Bosman, my dad took it like a real personal... Like he, hates, <laughs> like he hates him if he's commentating and stuff now. Like he just can't stand it. Traitor! <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Just can't, can't forgive him. He's quite divisive, isn't he, Michael Owen? Kind of similar to to, my, to Michael Owen. He, you know, leaving on the Bosman. Um, some of the, the comments he's made in the past. Yeah, I think, I think the, the difference with Owen was Owen, when, when you get to the nitty gritty, Owen didn't really want to leave. He was he was asking loads of different people's opinions and stuff. Should I do this? It doesn't feel right. Should I do it? And in the end, sort of went, "What's well, a once in a lifetime opportunity?" Sort of thing. But the thing with McManaman or the way it felt was he was like, "No, fuck it. I'm gonna I'm gonna run my contract down and get the money and go to Madrid because I I deserve it." Sort of thing. And didn't really think about the club. Yeah. And that's the way it came across anyway. I may I may have felt differently had I been a bit older and understood that bit a bit more. I was just gutted that you left. But I may have felt a bit more bitter had I been a bit older. 
So, so you've mentioned the commentary, Greg. What, what's your personal opinion on his commentary? Insightful or um, woeful? If you look on Twitter when he's when he's commentating, you'll just see absolute vitriol towards him, which is from scousers. From scousers. No, from from, from the country. I guess the country don't like him because he's just. I don't know. He, he's a bit. He's a bit like Hoddle. He's a little bit out there. He's a, he's a little bit cerebral to use that word again. He's, he's not. He's not your um, meat and potato footballer. You know, he, he fancies himself a little bit. I guess that's why people don't like him so much. Wolves fans hate him. Why? Because in 2018 he was commented on a Wolves match, and he thought he was off air, and he said, "I hate Wolves." <laughs> And there were calls on Twitter, because how reactionary people are, for him to be sacked. Oh my god. I don't mind I him as I, I don't mind him as a commentator at all, really. Like he does have sometimes I don't agree with him, but most of the time he he's spot on really. No, I, I don't mind him either. Um it, it's not what he says that, that bothers me. It's more that you know it doesn't it doesn't it sounds ridiculous, but you know, putting putting his G's on the end of everything and you know, it sounds ridiculous to say, but I, I don't, I don't dislike listening to him. It's, but if you look on Twitter, at any point during a match he's on, it's just, it's just pure hatred. It's, uh, it's, it's similar to the uh, re- uh, response to this podcast on Twitter, Greg. To be honest, <laughs> I look forward to pure that. vitriol. I look forward to Titus uh, s- s- um, slamming us yeah. later. <laughs> so, talking of uh, Galacticos, Greg. Yeah. Do you see what I'm doing here? Like We're it. going on to your. <laughs> your next uh, pick, your third pick, and I love this one. I like it. I love this one. Yeah. Ronaldo, a Galactico, another Real Madrid man. However... Should we just should we just say the real Ronaldo? The real Ronaldo, I'm happy with that. Oh, AKA the fat Ronaldo. Oh, Russ. Come on. <laughs> That's... <laughs> Come on. El, El Phenomeno, to give him his uh, original title. You know... Really, the phenomenal. What does that mean, Greg? I don't speak. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Do you know that Ronaldo was known as Ronaldinho in the '96 Olympics. <laughs> was that. he like transition, transitioning? To... <laughs> Do you know what Ronaldo means? Ronald. It translates. It translates as Big Ronald. <laughs> well, he certainly fulfilled his uh, potential, didn't he? There's always a. I always find it exciting to see one of these players who you just everybody's just knows is just going to take the world by storm. You know, now the likes of Rooney didn't get to that level, but when he was coming through at the age of 16 and he scores that goal against Arsenal, you know, there's just an enormous buzz. Even with the likes of Michael Owen and people like that, um, but Ronaldo's obviously on a different level. You know, to, how many people in Brazil? What 100 million? And to get to get picked in the in the Brazil squad as a 17 year old, and they go and win the thing. You know, it just it just went to show like, what they thought of him, and he didn't he didn't disappoint, obviously. And then he goes to he goes to Europe, doesn't he? Plays well for PSV, and then goes to Barca, where he's managed by Bobby Robson of all people. And I just I love that goal. Um, he scores an amazing goal against Compostela. He gets the ball on the halfway line, beats about eight men, sticks it in the bottom corner. The camera cuts to Bobby Robson, and he's just—he's got his hands on his head. On the on the, he sat, he jumps off the bench. He got his hands on his head. And I just think it's such an amazing contrast: Bobby Robson and Ronaldo, like the first YouTube Galactico FIFA player, PlayStation player. And then you have got Bobby Robson, this old coal mining fella who doesn't know anyone's name. Whoa, big Ronaldo! <laughs> <laughs> 
I'd love to, I'd just love to have seen his um, instructions to, to Ronaldo in the, in, the, in the dressing room before. Oh, could you imagine? <laughs> could you imagine? So who was he playing with when he, so he, what did he have, like three years at PSV or a season at PSV and then got snapped up? Yeah. To uh, Inter, no, Inter Milan, no. So to, to Barca he went and then I think he only had one oh, season Barca. at Barca and then went to Inter. Did anyone ever get to the bottom of what happened in that World Cup final? Remember, there was like he had like a nightmare or something, or some an, weird I, thing happened. Had an epileptic, epileptic fit, didn't he? In the, oh, did he? Before the match, yeah. Well, but it was like stress or something, was it? Because he was what age was he? Must have been young. Must have been about twenty-two or something like that. There was there was a lot Not of spotlight on him at the time. Yeah, I don't know if you remember before the match. There was, um, you know, there was all sorts of conjecture and speculation going on. There was John Watson having having kittens and. Des Lanham running around trying to find out what was going on. But it, apparently Nike was put their foot down and was like, no, we need to play in this match. You know, we've that, that, that was the rumour. Like he, he should not have played in that match. He, he was, you know, he was on the he was on the floor, you know, having a fit beforehand. And then an hour later, well, Leah, I think it was Edmundo was was put in the team when the fifth, when he had the fifth. And then he had to say to Edmundo, oh no, you, you, you're back out again. Ronaldo's playing. Like Jimmy Rolfe back again, isn't it? <laughs> It's exactly like that. Your favourite music, the, the music that you consider to be the best music ever, is always the music, coincidentally, when you're, you know, a teenager, becoming an adult. And that's the same for every generation, no? It's kind of similar with footballers, I think, but maybe it comes a little bit younger. And for me, Ronaldo reminds me of like summer holidays, silver boots, gold boots. Oh, and the advert, on the, the advert in the airport. <laughs> oh, the advert. Oh yes. Oh. I mean, I'm not. I'm, Nike, hang your heads in shame for what they did, as Greg has just said. But that advert, come on. Yeah. Oh yeah. But no, another football shirt story. That you know that blue Brazil kit from that year, the the away kit. I had it, and I got Mauricinho twenty two on the back. No. <laughs> oh dear. Class, classy. Worst haircut ever from a footballer. Up there, isn't the, it? The, the semi protractor. I think yeah, it was wasn't to do with Nike as well, was it? <laughs> Stand out. Uh, they've changed the, the logo from the, the tick to the semi protractor. It's awful. I'm sure there was a couple of kids at my school who got it done thinking, oh, oh sure, this is the coolest yeah. thing ever now. Have you seen his hair and eye? Yeah, they think he, look, he, looks, he looks like the weekend. <laughs> Piles on the pound. What does he do? He? I thought he was still involved with Spanish football. Ronaldo, like, doesn't he part own a team in Spain? That's Cristiano Ronaldo. Joey part owns a team in Spain. Did Ronaldo ever play with McManaman? Good question. Question much? I don't think so. No, because Ronaldo never won the Champions League for for anyone, for any team. So he, so he wouldn't have been with McManaman because he won it twice. I have a strong memory of, but this may have gone over for a few seasons. But when McManaman played for Madrid, they had a very particular font of the of the name and the number which was like definitely from microsoft word and do you remember that sort of font comic sans <laughs> was it wasn't comic sans but it was windings. on that level <laughs> they're kind of like windings now aren't they some of them are so, we've been moaning a lot haven't we about the eorish but um do you know what i'm saying and ronaldo definitely had that font well, you might be right, yeah. You, they may have done. I'll tell, tell you now. Steve McManaman was at Real Madrid between 1999 and 2003. And Ronaldo was there 
and 2002 2007 so one season yeah. knew it the font I saw, I saw a quote from Ronaldo and he said you know futsal it will always be my number one passion always be my number one sport ahead of football obviously but um, if you if you watch him play well which we all have you can just tell that he he grew up playing that game you know balanced two two-footed if you if you look at his I was watching his highlights real last night just just unbelievable Balance isn't something you'd probably associate with him these days, but you know, back then, just flexibility and just ability to go one way or the other, left foot, right foot, and it's, it's some of the skills, the skills school was just unreal. Was there anyone playing today who you would equate to Ronaldo? No. That's a good question. He was an out-and-out number nine, wasn't he? Whereas the likes of Messi, Ronaldo, they tend to play on the on the on the, the right or left of a three. Um, Luis Suarez maybe a little bit maybe yeah but Suarez is just so heavily one-footed um, but yeah you're right in terms of just like aggression and just ruthlessness yeah um, I mean he's a long way off but someone who's who is ambidextrous like Ronaldo is, is Mason Greenwood I mean he can just bang them in from anywhere left foot right foot he's got a long way to go obviously to match that level but there's not many players it is my bugbear to see players run around the ball to kick it with the Strong foot. Yeah, you're a professional. Yeah. Do you know what also gets me, riles me right up? Why could no one take a corner now? What the fuck is that? A corner is almost like a negative disadvantage. Because, do you know why? The corners are now a more of an advantage to the, to yeah. the, the, the defending the team because of the counter-attack. And maybe they don't want to do risky corners, but it drives me mad. And Villa, they have a different corner taker every time. But yeah, Brazil, 98 World Cup. He was just like an absolute specimen, wasn't he? Just like nothing no one had ever seen before. And the most exciting thing about that era of Brazilian football was, as you alluded to before, the skills. Mm. You know, that's what gets you going when you're a kid, isn't it? Like, oh my God, I want to learn that skill. I want to learn that trick. Yeah. And, you know, step-overs, for example, were quite novel. Uh, really, at that time, I remember Ron Atkinson used to call them lollipops. Would you say that Ronaldo had uh, like a signature skill? Well, I wouldn't say he had a signature skill, but if you look at his, just just the, probably the first video on YouTube, you'll see skills that you don't see anyone doing very regularly because they are just, they're, they're, they're baffling. They're, you can tell he's played futsal because it's off one foot onto another through someone's legs, drags it back flicks it forward it's just it's hard to explain but it's like a, an ultimate combination of pace close control and finishing it was just like he was just lethal absolutely lethal, lethal. yeah 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 you, good word. you couldn't tackle him in a phone box he was he was he's that good <laughs> <laughs> i've tried ballon d'or winner at 96 97 seasons that was young wow who was he playing for then but you think that was young, right? So he won Ballon d'Or ninety six, ninety seven. He won FIFA Player of the Year three times. Can you tell me what year they were? Ooh, another quiz. Could it could have been ninety eight as well? Well, there was a clue in the Ballon d'Or. He won it in ninety six, ninety seven. He won it in ninety six and ninety seven. Such a question, Russ. Yeah, it was. It was well. The answer was already given. Who was he playing for in ninety six, ninety seven? Shit quiz, Russ. Uh, Barca, yeah. It's funny actually because um, Barca played in the, in the semi-finals of the Cup Winners' Cup and so did Liverpool in the same season. Liverpool got hammered by PSG 
And it, so it was Barca PSG in the final. But I can just only imagine if Liverpool would have got through facing Ronaldo, Neil Ruddock, um, Phil Babb, <laughs> you know, Bjorn Torrey came out. Uh, what they call it? David James, <laughs> but just just Ruddock alone would have just been, you know. What about him in his pocket? Like that, what a CV he's got! Like he goes Barcelona to Inter, and then Real Madrid to AC. Yeah. Like, talk about winding people up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, didn't have any pigs yeah. pigs heads thrown at him, did he? How did you get a pig's head into a crown? Like who? Like Figo. Oh yeah, that was that was a controversial one, wasn't it? How do you say pig's head in Spanish, Sam? Mm, cabeza de cerdo. Bless you. <laughs> well, on that note. <laughs> so thanks, Greg. Brilliant, absolutely wonderful to hear about those players. Um, anything to add, chaps? Superb choices that... this week. Really good. I love the fa- the family connection. That was superb. Thanks, Owen. So a note to future guests: have a have a famous uh, footballer as a relative. All right, see ya. Bye bye. Enjoyed that. Thanks, Flash. Oh. Right, my pizza's going cold. <laughs>